So today is Friday, April the 12th. It's Masters weekend for anybody who watches golf. And this is Perspective from Politics NC. Uh, this is the first time we're trying this remotely. So I'm in Raleigh. Thomas is in Carborough, I believe. How are you doing? I'm doing great. How are you doing, Kirk? Uh, staying dry today, um, I think like you are. But just to start us off, I wanted to do a little bit of an update. Uh, this this goes out every day in a, a newsletter I follow, but there are 18 days until the NC third primary election. Um, although early voting is already underway, and then we're 32 days out from the NC nine primary election. So there's a lot of interest in North Carolina as per usual. We've got two open congressional seats out of our 13, and I think. The third district, I, I don't know if there's as much going on out there worth uh, discussing, but in the ninth district, you have Dan McCready, of course, who raised, I think, like $1.6 million in the first quarter. So he looks a little bit like a presidential fundraiser almost. Um, but there are a slew of Republican candidates over there running, and of them, Dan Bishop, who I think is a state senator of HB2 fame, is up on TV. He's running uh, television ads. So... Um, I know there's not much has changed in, in the 9th District, but I thought maybe your history of consulting, you could maybe give us some insight into the dynamics of running ads in that primary and uh, getting up on TV in Charlotte. Yeah, and, uh, you know, I would suspect that um, Charlotte and Union County, which are both in the Charlotte media market, make up somewhere considerably north of 50 percent of the votes and that and that's probably what dan bishop's trying to do is um i don't know if bishop's district senate district even touches much of that uh, that district that that mccree that that ninth district the ninth district goes from kind of downtown charlotte through southeast charlotte and and Dan Bishop's district, if I'm not mistaken, is up in kind of the northwest corner of Charlotte. So, uh, uh, yeah, I'm not sure. You're right. Yeah, I'm not even sure Dan lives in the district. So he's trying to get himself known in an area where he's not known. There's a problem running TV ads, that, an efficiency problem in a, in a race like that. It's going to be a remarkably low turnout. You're going to have your most informed voters out there voting. And really, TV ads are best used when you've got a really uninformed electorate and when you're trying to tap into people, usually in the final weeks of a campaign, to really uh, introduce yourself, get your name recognition up, make some sort of connection to them. I'm betting a lot of the people who are going to vote are going to get their information word of mouth. They're not going to pay a ton of attention to TV ads. These are people who they, they've got the people who are going to vote have in politics otherwise they won't even know there's a special election going on it's going to be remarkably low turnout i, I would I, I would suspect you have less than somewhere around five thousand people or so vote in that primary maybe a little bit more but not not a whole lot and uh tv ads could can you know they may not have that much effect in a district like that in in a, in a race like that um they're they're better when it's a lot bigger, it's an expensive market, which means that Bishop has a lot of money. Um, he, he's either raised it or given it to, given it to him, borrowed, loaned it to himself. So that's a sign of some sort of traction. Um, but, you know, a lot of those people are going to be fighting over kind of ground forces out there. 
And I, you know, I've run, I've run races where you're, you're an unknown candidate running against better known candidates and the better known candidates tend to win even regardless of how much paid media you do. And Bishop's going to run into a problem in like Union County where nobody knows who he is. And you've got, uh, at least, uh, the, the, the guy who wants to be boss hog, who's a County commissioner there, who everybody knows all the Republicans know, you got Fern Schubert, who used to be a state legislator from there. And she's well known in that area among Republicans. You know, they're, they're probably going to choose between them instead of Bishop. Now Bishop may consolidate the Charlotte vote and that, that would be good for him, but there are a bunch of those candidates who probably are from Charlotte too. So, it, you know, it'll be interesting to see how that plays out. Um, the one thing about the third district is there are a bunch of candidates in that district. They're uh, on both sides. There are a bunch of Democrats and there are a bunch of Republicans. And I need to spend a little bit of time to figure out who they are. Um, they're one who's gotten the most profile in that third district is, is uh, a former uh, Air Force colonel whose last name is Boo, I think. Uh, Richard, Richard Boo. Right. And uh, so, but the person that I'm most interested in is Alan Thomas. Alan Thomas has a long history of politics, and it seems to me like he's the type of candidate that might be able to win a, a general election out there. His brother is uh, DA down in uh, Carteret County, Newburn, which is kind of the the... Uh, one of the main pockets where, where votes are in that district. His father was a state senator down there. They know people down in that area. Um, he's head of the Global Trans Park, which is a big economic development engine there. So he's got he's got he's well known. He's got good ties. He's well respected, and he was mayor of Greenville for a while. So this is a guy who walks into this race with a lot of credibility, and in an area where Democrats have not. Done, it, done as well historically, he may be positioned to actually do better than people think. Um, I need to tune into that race a little bit more and, and find out what's going on. But, you know, that's that's my thoughts about it, is it, it could be competitive if the right person wins. Yeah, well, it does seem like, uh, from my perspective at least, these very low, probably low turnout elections, uh, having local connections probably plays a big role in getting your voters out and, and having any name recognition when they're not going to be spending a ton of money. Um, I, I suppose for anybody interested, you can keep up with some of the, the running vote totals out there as uh, information comes in. Uh, I think EQV analytics is like a new group I've seen floating around. It's like a progressive group. And then um, of course, Civitas has their Carolina tracker that they've always had. You can sort of see the vote totals coming in um, if you're interested in keeping up with that. But uh, moving on to that, uh, from that, there there was something I saw today, and uh, I think you had you sounded like you might have heard about it as well. But the, some Republicans from Forsyth were um, introducing legislation trying to – the Democrats say they're trying to gerrymander the Winston-Salem City Council. So a little bit of background on it there – wanting to take the number of wards from eight to five um and, and this would double bunk three african-american women who serve on the council right now and it would also double bunk a councilman who challenged one of the bill sponsors a republican uh danny lambeth so this is not new 
I know I think we've talked about it before, but they did this before the Republicans, I think, in Asheville. But I, I'm sure you've you've kept up with it as well. And uh, what are your thoughts on the Republicans? Uh, they've done it all over. They did it in Raleigh. They did it in Greenville, Greensboro. They did it uh, in Asheville. They did it. Um, now they're doing it in Winston-Salem. I mean, they've done it all over the state. They did it in Lee County. They did it in, in uh, um, Sanford. You know, they, this is these guys got into power. And all of a sudden, somebody read in the rule book where they could do whatever they wanted to to cities um, and, and towns. Towns and cities operate purely. They derive all of their authority from state government, which means that the state can do just about anything they want to to them. Now, that was not meant for the type of shenanigans we're seeing with the Republicans right now. That was meant to make sure that that towns that might become fiscally irresponsible can't jeopardize their residents' money too much and allowed the state to go in. And, and, and that's it happened historically. The state has had to basically step in and take over a few towns. Republicans went in there and said, hi, well, we can do whatever we want. So what they've done is they've gone in and gerrymandered districts to try, try to lock in um, Republican votes. And some of it's been declared unconstitutional. Other of it's kind of backfired. I mean, uh, they, they gerrymandered the, the Wake County Commission seats, and then Dem- Democrats came in and swept it. Um, they, they made folks in Buncombe County so, so mad, they threw out the, Republican, the, the last two remaining Republican legislators up there. Um, so, you know, it's a double-edged sword when they go in there and do this. Nobody likes it. It's contrary to their whole philosophy that uh, local government is where the power should be. So it makes them out to be hypocrites. And, uh, you know, it, it's, it's, it's a pure power move. And it's about as, 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 as best example of bad government as you can uh, imagine. And so they're going to do it. If they want to do it, they're going to do it. Um, I, and I don't think, I'm not sure they... I'm not sure if Cooper can veto those moves or not. If he can, he should. And I don't think they'll be able to override it. So, you know, we'll see. I mean, there's certain local bills the governor cannot override. And I'm not sure if the gerrymandering is falls into that or not. Right. Well, and, and this this goes back to a, a consistent theme where you, you do, like you referenced, you have um, a platform that you would think implied letting you know the smaller municipalities go along and do what they want to do um in local areas but in practice you know they sort of implement whatever they want and there's a really good article from someone local um it's called red state blue city you might have read it it's from like two years ago in the atlantic by david graham who lives in durham and he's a writer for the atlantic yeah and it's a really good article and he basically you know, he gives multiple examples, but obviously he says nowhere has this been more dramatic than in North Carolina where he lives. So it is interesting it, beyond just the makeup. I mean, the the makeup of the councils themselves is, is a far more dramatic uh, place to get involved. I could kind of see how they might jump in with something about like minimum wages and, and other legislation, but to actually go in and, and change how they elect their own officials seems like. I guess if I thought there would be a line, you'd think that would be it, but um, there doesn't really seem to be one. Um, that's just an interesting um, 
way that the state government is affecting uh, the state, even on a you know a municipal level, and it doesn't yeah. really seem like there's any uh, any chance for that to subside at all. Well, right. um, uh, another topic I thought we might cover today because our last few have been very focused on the uh, some scandals happening, but public education is is a perennial topic and issue in North Carolina, and there was a recent. Uh, announcement by uh, Mark Johnson, who's a superintendent for uh, public instruction, and they said they were going to give $400 to every teacher to spend on classroom supplies via this app that you could go and spend. But uh, sort of buried in that was the fact that it didn't increase the amount of money. They just were taking it away from the districts and giving it to the individual teachers. And I think there were a lot of people kind of upset about the way that they rolled it out and make it sound like they were doing something that they weren't really doing. But another uh, criticism of it that, that I read was that in some of these districts, that money is used in bulk because you can buy things in larger quantities. You know, like if you go to Sam's Club, you save money uh, per unit when you buy it in bulk. So they actually said it might be a negative for some areas because those districts buy supplies in bulk. And it actually that four hundred dollars per teacher might go further when you spend it in tandem with the rest of the money. But I know you had written something a while ago that was sort of, I don't want to say giving a pat on the back, but, you know, saying, you know, we need to give a little bit of credit to Republicans on education because they have increased spending um, on teacher pay and things like that. So I just wondered where you thought public education was right now as far as a political issue in the state. You know, the biggest, the biggest, the most disturbing thing with public education to me right now is watching the resegregation of our schools. And, and, and they're doing it through um, charters and voucher programs. They call it choice. But, you know, it really doesn't Opportunity look that different. Scholarships. Vouchers. Yeah. They, they, they want to call them that. But they're not opportunity scholarships. They're, they're vouchers. And, you know, we, we had this problem back when we were first trying to desegregate our schools. The, the plan that the lawmakers used back then to try to avoid segre- desegregation looks remarkably like what they're doing now, and it surely is resegregating the schools. And it's, it's, I, I don't think it's healthy. Um, I think it's really, it, it threatens the quality of education um, for a lot of people, and it, it's it's moving in the, the, the wrong direction. I didn't, I didn't, what I, what I said, we got to give some credit to the Republicans for is the fact that teacher pay had gone up. They're, they're not putting more money towards teacher pay. It's just that the, 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 the pay for teachers is increasing and it increased fairly dramatically. It hasn't increased enough. And I think that's where we need to be. You know, t- per, per pupil spending is still far below where it was. Um, in in pre-recession levels and uh we need to get back we need to be making bigger investments in our public schools not not fewer investments in our public schools and we really got to be careful about trying about resegregating these schools and uh you know my whole argument republicans came in and told us about how broken our public schools were they weren't broken they were doing fine they were making progress graduation rates were going up test scores were going up um you know and then they came in to fix a problem they broke the old rule if it ain't broke don't fix it 
And since then, we're struggling with test scores going down. We're struggling with the desegregation of our schools. You know, there, there's a lot that there's a lot that they have they have done poorly, and continue to do poorly. And I think that's uh, that's the biggest single reason we need to be looking at putting Democrats back in control again. Right. Well, and and I think that it is another. Uh, important context for the 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 growth of 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 pay and things like that is is contextualizing it with where we were before the recession and i think for a lot of people it it feels more like we're playing catch up still than making uh, progress where we should be uh one thing i did want to ask you uh, this this was bubbling up last week i believe but um, soon the, I think beginning of May, NCAE and the, the Red for Ed, they're having their advocacy day and, you know, all these thousands of teachers are, are taking the day off and coming to Raleigh and they've gotten a lot of pushback. I feel like more than usual, um, from Republicans and conservatives and in particular, this, this, um, solidarity fist that the NCAE has and some people online were calling it like a, you know communist or marxist thing or i mean is is that just part of the the usual sort of republican response to democrats just calling them socialists or i mean what do you make of that are they just making a lot about nothing i don't pay any attention to that stuff i don't i don't you know i i hadn't really heard anything about it and, and it's not even the republicans in general it's just it's the activists on minorities on both sides probably social media warriors that are um, you know, making a big deal, I, I, making a big deal about nothing. I mean, that's that's kind of how I see it. But uh, anyhow, I, I don't. Yeah, I'm not. I'm not too concerned about that at all. Do you think the um the red for ed stuff when they when they do come to Raleigh? I know last year's was very big. Do you think that has an impact on the way legislators are approaching education uh, policy in the state. You know, I I think I think the the march last year I think it did have some impact. Um, you know, I I'm not a big I'm not a big protest march guy, and and I guess it you know it makes people gives people a sense of empowerment that they're doing something. And it does show when you have a lot of teachers in there knocking on doors of their legislators, it does show that, that there's, you know, there's concern around these issues and that, that teachers are a pretty important constituency because they, they have a lot of reach and uh, through, through kids. Um, so, you know, I, I, it probably does have, it does have some impact, but uh, probably not a, a major impact on it. Maybe more about uh, just visual visualizing the how many teachers are are coming down there. Um, well, so we didn't talk about it today because I don't know that there's been any more news. But uh, have you seen any progress in this scandal with Lindbergh um, in the past week since we last talked about it at all, or is that still just sort of going on in the background? I think it's I think it's pretty much in the background. I mean, the one piece of news that wasn't that big a deal this week was that Walker, uh, Congressman Mark Walker apparently had attorneys looking into it, uh, yeah. last year and he, you know, paid $50,000 to some high powered Raleigh, uh, Washington attorneys to make sure that he wasn't getting in trouble. 
you know, when, when it all broke, um, Causey indicated that we were going to see more indictments. So it's going to be interesting to see if this thing's just kind of done for now or whether, whether it rears its head back up and we see people getting uh, in, indicted for stuff in the next few weeks. But it's been it's been quieter than I thought it would be. Yeah, there seemed to be. I mean, obviously, it was a huge deal when it when it happened, and there seemed to be a, a ton of articles coming out, you know, three or four a day for the first week. But uh, it seems to slow down a little bit. But um, you know, I think it was Causey. I think you might have said uh, it. It seemed implied that there were more shoes to drop on this. So we will continue to watch that and i'm sure there'll be something in the in the next few weeks or months about it i couldn't imagine that story just disappearing after that uh mr Lindbergh threw around seven or eight million dollars um and well i know there hasn't been one update i guess as far as um how it's had an, uh, an effect there have been ads run against dan forrest because he has uh, benefited so much from Lindbergh. i think a um a third-party group that supports uh or is i guess opposed to republicans had had put together an ad showing uh dan forrest talking about how he was buddy buddy with Lindbergh and and how these people were his friends so um i think we might have talked about this last week but that'll be another interesting issue to see how it how it unfolds in the next year or two um with big uh, statewide elections in north carolina so yep. um i think that should about do it unless there's anything else you had no, nothing right now. It seems a little bit quiet. I think it, it's going to speed up real fast because we're going to have crossover sometime in the next two or three weeks. I'm not sure exactly what the schedule is, but uh, you'll see a flurry of bills start to, to pass in both the House and Senate because if bills have to pass either the House or the Senate before what they call crossover or they're dead. And uh so people that want to get things done are going to be put putting a lot of pressure on committees and, and members to, to push their bills through uh, so they can survive to 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 try to get passage before the end of the session. Um, but, well, you know, that that will crank up and we'll, it's also a time where we start to see some shenanigans, people filing what they call blank bills. And um, when all those bills start moving fast and there's not enough reporters to cover them they start sliding in legislation that's uh, a little bit shady sometimes so it'll be fun to see what happens over the next few weeks yes and uh just as a a bookend to this i we don't have anything to talk about uh today in regard to the presidential race but i know um beto o'rourke will be in town monday he's coming to north carolina that's so right. yep. with us as one of the uh, Super Tuesday races. North Carolina is going to carry a lot of weight in the 2020 primaries. So I, I imagine he is the first of many, 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 many uh, presidential candidates that will be coming through the Tar Heel State in the next uh, year or so. Yeah, I'm, I'm sure he's the first of many. That's exactly right. Okay. Well, thank you for, uh, I would say, stopping by today, but we did it remotely. Uh, hopefully, the quality on this was good for everybody, and we will pick it up again next week thank you so much and uh by the way if you do want to read more about what we talk about check out the website politicsnc.com and subscribe to this podcast wherever you're listening right now and we will continue to bring you weekly updates on the state of the state in north carolina thomas thank you for taking some time out of your day 
All right. Thank you, Kirk.